that's a growler. Hello, and welcome to the NeverEnding Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and three bad guys. The movie, The NeverEnding Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. And I'm Tierney Steele. Today, we are talking about Minute 5, which starts with Bastian's dad telling him, Stop daydreaming, start facing your problems. And ends with a bully catching Bastian by the neck. How's that going for you, Bastian? Right? So, my first note is, Bastion really does not want to lose this staring contest. No. He keeps his eyes locked on his dad for as long as he can, looking as hard as he can, trying to intimidate his dad to walk away. (laughs) I mean, technically, his dad kind of (laughs) does. I know, it works. His dad gets up and leaves and just tells him not to be late to school, so... (laughs) And every time you think Bastion might stop for a minute, like, he looks down like, okay, it's done. Nope, flips right back up to it again, and he's going back for the staring contest of the ages. (laughs) I still feel... I mean, one of my notes is, whoops, I can't believe this is what I remembered as... The cold, ignoring him, authoritative, mean father. <laughs> right. I did write down the deaths trying so hard here to be friendly. He you know, really he's is. touching his nose. He's tasseling his hair. Although I did. I mean, it starts with stop daydreaming, start facing your problems. So yeah, it's, it, he's a realist, I guess. And everybody knows that no child likes having their nose tweaked. Yeah. I mean, after that staring contest, he probably should have picked up on the social cues that that wouldn't be appreciated. This is just his dad's way of breaking the tension, possibly. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the staring contest ends <laughs> at last. Right. Bastion kind of wins it. This may come into play later. We'll see. It might be a skill that he needs later on in this week. <laughs> Bastion's dad heads off to work. Now, don't and... go too fast. Note oh. that he does take his drink with him. He's making sure he's going to get every bit of that Orange Julius. Oh, I am in such strong denial about that drink. That drink is disgusting. Now, the gross part is he he leaves the blender on the counter. Imagine what that's going to turn into by the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, gross. You're right. Because it's okay. So it's Monday and hopefully you are rejoining us from last week. If you're not, if you are totally lost, go listen to our back episodes where we find out that Bastion's dad is drinking orange juice mixed with raw egg, and I think it is disgusting. I don't care if that's supposedly an actual thing that you can do and drink and it's socially acceptable. It's not. It's disgusting. Tierney's visceral reaction to this drink absolutely (laughs) made my week last week. I just kept getting updates from you editing, being like, you gasp really loudly into the microphone. (laughs) So I'm glad we survived. You survived the first week of editing. Yes. <laughs> and now we are moving on to our second week of movie, which is super exciting. We're in minute five and we're getting story here. Last week we learned that Bashing is a bookworm, a daydreamer. Uh, his dad thinks he needs to buckle down. His mom has passed away. We don't know exactly when, but... I always thought meant the dad was a meanie, but now as an adult looking at this, I'm like, well, maybe he's tried to be supportive. And I think it was you who suggested maybe he's just reached the end of his rope at this point. Right. He's, he's done it for as long as he could. And now he's just got to try to bring Bastion to reality. But you're right. He is trying. He is not 
a heartless monster. <laughs> He's doing his best while still trying to move it along. And I, I can't even claim that he's ignoring Bastion or anything like that, because in the 80s, it was totally normal for a single parent to say, okay, I'm off to work. Have fun getting to school. Right. <laughs> and sending him out to the wild streets of, I've looked up, and this is actually Vancouver that they're filming in. Yeah, he just sends him out there to, on his way. Here, go out and walk the streets and get to school. Yep. Nope, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just wander the city, get to school. <laughs> I do have to uh, wonder, when he says to Bastien, you know, don't be late to school, which wasn't mentioned. The call from his teacher was that he was daydreaming in class and drawing instead of paying attention. Never has it been brought up that, oh, Bastien's late all the time. This is an issue. Right. And yet the way he says... But yesterday I wasn't. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah, like, you find out that, yes, he's probably late pretty often. And we might even get a clue why later on in this minute. So I, uh, Bastion takes to the streets. I did have the question asking if we had a filming location for this. So it is Vancouver. Yeah. Is it supposed to be New York City or just? Everything I looked up said that the location is supposed to be pretty unspecified. Okay. As to where they're actually at. I guess okay. it's just supposed to be generic town zero one you know <laughs> but i gotta say it's not it, it is generic city it's not generic town right. i don't think i, I agree, I, agree. I, I grew up in the suburbs and this is a little bit more you know i if you're watching this minute at home you're gonna see why i questioned is it new york city because it's not you know midtown manhattan but it definitely does have an urban feel to it yes yes urban feel thank you <laughs> <laughs> me being the fatty foodie that i am the first thing i noticed is that you can get a sirloin steak for five bucks and you can get fish and chips for three bucks <laughs> you're just uh checking out the economics right situation. i'm trying to i'm trying to place myself in time exactly that's that's completely legitimate speaking of being placed at in time did you mm -hmm. notice the guy up on the ladder who's fixing what looks like a clock? I noticed. Uh, I didn't really look at him. I did notice that clock. Yeah, because it's like a little lamppost, but instead of a light at the top, it's the clock. Yeah, it can't be a lamppost because we see at least three or four other sets of lampposts on these corners. So it's some other decoration. I assumed it was a clock. I think it's a clock. That's what I, I got looking at it. What about the guy fixing it? It just, it's odd for him to be up there at, you know, eight in the morning fixing this clock in front of everybody. It seems like something that would be done at a less busy time, maybe. <laughs> That's true. This is a pretty busy scene and we're about to meet some people. I do want to note mm -hmm. that. No one seems very worried about walking in the street here. Mm -mm. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's no there's no walking laws, no people getting in trouble for jaywalking, anything like that. And they're pretty trusting in the fact that traffic's not going to hurt them. Yeah, I was gonna make a joke that uh, Giuliani hadn't cleaned up Times Square yet, and that's why they weren't worried about <laughs> jaywalking laws, but. You're right. They look way too confident that they're not going to get creamed by a car. So this can't be, <laughs> this can't be New York City. <laughs> so intro the bullies. Um, I did look this up. We have three new characters here mm -hmm. in the, on IMDb, they are listed as bully one, bully two, and bully three. Um, we have Chris Eastman, Daryl Cooksey, and Nicholas Gilbert play the three bullies in this scene. Um, Chris Eastman is the main bully and it doesn't, 
it's hard to differentiate between Daryl Cooksey or <laughs> Nicholas Gilbert for the other two. But they some of them have acted more. One of them only had like one other acting credit and none of them really have their pictures up in IMDb. Aw. So they, they didn't do too much, but I think the first guy, Chris Eastman, did a lot of bit acting. He did a lot of character roles in different TV shows and such and looked like he stayed fairly busy. The other two kind of just tapered off pretty soon. Well, if you freeze this minute on second 36, you can enjoy what I call the most 80s boys I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, I know some of our listeners are younger than us, you know, grew up in the 90s instead. If you want to know what it looked like when we were running around as kids, it's just these guys. I never had backpacks like they have, though. They're... I love their backpacks. Backpacks are really odd. That I could, I was trying to find out more about them. Two of them have the same type of backpack that's kind of square. Yep, I noticed that as well. And they've got pins and patches on a denim jacket. Well, so one of them has the denim jacket. Yes. And then I'm trying to figure out what you would call the other two types of jackets. Like, they're not varsity jackets. That's something different. Windbreakers. Yes. <laughs> it, but they're but they're two different types. Right. But it looks like they, they wanted to be the same kind of style, though. Yeah. But I just... Whoever did the costuming for this really just nailed it. Right. Because they're, they're each distinct. They all go together. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about some of the flares that they have on. All right. Um, they do have... At least two of them have matching pins. Mm -hmm. I don't know what those pins are for, but they're... Pretty unique. The pizza wedge looking ones? Yeah. They're not pizza the, for viewers that no. haven't seen this. And then if you look at the other two children, both of them have a Rolling Stones kind of pin. You okay, see the yeah. Mouth. Yep. But more importantly, on the back of bully number one, the bully in the center, on his backpack, he's actually got a picture that says, kiss my, and it shows a picture of a donkey. Oh, <laughs> I could not make that out. Oh, oh, bully on the left's backpack from behind. That is a Confederate flag. Yes, yes, it is. My guess is he cares about it because of the General Lee. That's right in this time period. Oh, Hazard. Okay. All the kids loved it. So I would say that would probably be why he has that kind of costume. I mean, flair. these are bullies in Vancouver, so I guess they should. But he's the same one that on the front, that pin below the Rolling Stones ones Looks like it's red, white, and that looks like that could be a pin with the Capitol building. Which would be odd if they were filming in Vancouver, but I guess that's what costuming people are for. Now I have all sorts of questions, but yeah, I I wish I could make out what I'm calling the pizza wedge pin, because those are people in it. Like, those are right. little portraits, but yeah, I have no idea. I don't remember buttons like this being this cool when I was a kid. And these are obviously the cool kids. Maybe mm. it, I was so out of touch with being cool that <laughs> I didn't have buttons. By the time I was in middle school and definitely in high school, pins were the cool thing. But that's later. That wasn't until the end of the 90s. Right. End of the 90s of the millennium. Covering your button in sarcastic, ironic pins was the cool thing to do. Right. Yeah, two of them have the cool square backpacks. One of them, 
I don't think that's a Jan Sport backpack, but it's that style. It's definitely styled after, or probably before a Jan Sport backpack. Yeah, but I love Bastian's messenger bag, which is practically a piece of luggage. It's huge. <laughs> that was the first thing that I thought about it as well. Is this looks like carry-on luggage? Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly like what I used for luggage when I was a little kid. For those of you who haven't watched it in a while, yes, Bastian is being chased by three bullies. He, they just walk up, he's just walking down the street, they come up to him, demand cash from him, and when he takes off running, they chase after him, which is why we are able to see both their buttons on the front and politically horrifying patches on the back. (laughs) You know, when he's running down the alleyway, Mm -hmm. his bag actually almost resembles a bowling bag. Oh! Or like maybe a doctor's bag from the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's huge, but you know, he probably carries a bunch of books with him i hope if not i want it to be true so let's assume that <laughs> so this guy in the jean jacket mm-hmm. turning the corner as bastion runs by first of all nobody cares that this kid's being threatened with his life yeah he is running full out and nobody reacts in this minute and the kids are not being quiet about what they intend to do to oh no they're screaming we get um I started keeping track, so this is a children's movie, and so we have insults for children, weirdo, jerk, and chicken. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the insult jerk, that makes me think that Bastion has done something to these kids. Because the jerk is identifier as somebody that's done something. Yeah. You can be a weirdo just passively. Yes. But jerk actually implies that you've actively done something to these kids. And I wonder what it is. Well, I don't know. Yeah, weirdo. And don't get me wrong. I love Bastion. We talked a lot about last week about how much I relate to him. I totally get that these kids are going to call him weirdo. Okay, fine. And they don't say chicken until after he turns and runs. So, you know, I'm not saying this is good. I'm not encouraging them, but I get it. But you're right. Jerk doesn't really fit, but I want to believe it's them not being able to think of anything else and not that Bastion's actually done anything because I really can't see him doing anything. These kids literally just walk up to him on the street and demand money from him. Right. And when he doesn't have any, they chase him. That's it. That's that's the interaction. He's not doing anything to them. He's not even walking somewhere he shouldn't be walking because it's their territory or anything. Now, I had the idea that maybe this is the first day he hasn't had money. And that's why he was trying to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> he didn't want to have money to give them. So he was trying to make his own lunch this time. <laughs> so he didn't have to give it up. But it was too much of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, he did make something. But yeah, we, we, uh, Bastian in the kitchen, <laughs> not, not his finest hour. Yeah, I don't know. I just took it as straight up. But yeah, I wanted to keep track because, like I said, this is a family friendly movie. So I took great pleasure in watching the kids try and come up with things to yell as they ran that wouldn't, that, that made it into the film. <laughs> Right. That weren't too harsh, but still implied that they were the bad guys. <laughs> and we may get a chance later on this week to hear a few more insults from them as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's all the notes that I have for this minute. Yep. You, you, Do you have anything else? No, I wanted to know if you recognize those backpacks, but neither of us are aware of them. I always remember my backpacks being a little more like the third kids. Yeah. 
Yep, squashier. Those backpacks look terribly uncomfortable. I don't know, because the straps are probably still fine. Just a big box on the back of your your shoulders, though. Yeah. And they didn't look like they had a lot of give to them either. They don't. I, you know, I bet it depends on how it sits across your shoulders, like across your shoulder blades, if it's comfortable or not. They were certainly not made for running. No. I thought the pins on the jackets was right, but you know what I'm picturing is like older punk style, not kids. I'm picturing like people out of high school at this time would have buttons all over their jackets and stuff. Well, maybe these kids are trying to imitate their older brothers who beat them up all the time. That might explain it. Because you're right, I didn't question it. I was like, oh, that's the cool thing. That's so 80s. That's perfect. But you're right, it wasn't kids doing that. It was grown-ups. Not, not grown-ups like Bastian's dad in a suit grown-ups, but, you know, like the Ramones. They, they were grown-ups. Sorry, hate to break it to you. They weren't actually teenagers. <laughs> um, <laughs> this has been the Ramones Minute. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's the only thing I will find out for tomorrow so that everyone can appreciate the good work that was done on not just the fantastic elements of this movie, but also the realistic real world ones. All right, Tierney, I look forward to hearing all the information you come up with. Well, that's another story. And it should be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.